Have you paid off your debts and are looking to grow your money beyond savings? Learn how to create a strategy and plan so you can open and invest in your brokerage account. Welcome to Couple Money, a podcast focused on helping spouses get on the same page, dump their debt faster, and get on the path to financial freedom together. I'm your host, Elle Martinez. This podcast is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Learn how by visiting bankbetter.org. If you would have met us when we were first married and told me we'd get to a point where we were investing besides for retirement, I probably would have laughed at you. Considering at the time we were starting off with over $30,000 of debt, living in our tiny apartment right by the beach, it would have seemed unbelievable. We were just trying to find our own footing and create a budget that worked for both of us. Fast forward to paying off our debts except for the mortgage, and that's where we found ourselves. The funny thing, well, maybe to us, was that we hesitated a bit before opening that brokerage account. We had become super savers, had been putting money aside in our retirement accounts, but somehow that next step was a bit scary. What helped us was taking some time to step back and discuss the why behind this account. What was our hope or plan for this money? For us, being on the path to financial independence meant freeing up options, whether it was to spend more time with the kids, explore career pivots or shifts, or volunteer more. Having money invested in this account would be helpful for those goals. With that in mind, we then worked out an investing plan we both felt comfortable with. While I wouldn't say it's been a smooth ride, especially this year, having those pieces in place has made investing easier. You might be at this stage, you've paid off your debts, you've been saving, and now you're looking to diversify your income and investing is one of those options on the table. How do you create a plan together for that money? Today, we're going to be covering that and Kevin Matthews is here to discuss the essentials you need to know before you start investing. He's a number one best-selling author and former financial advisor who has helped hundreds of individuals plan for their retirement, in addition to managing more than $140 million in assets during his advisory career. Now he's over at Building Bread, focused on teaching millennials about investing, making it more simple, and helping them craft their own plans. In this episode, we're going to get into when you should open a brokerage account during your financial journey, how to approach research before you invest in stocks, and how to create a financial and investing system that works for both of you. You ready? Let's get started. We have people in the community, they've paid down their high interest debts, like their credit cards, and they're happy to be out of that hole, but they want to start building some financial stability and some wealth. Many people are familiar with what's offered at their office, the 401k. When they sign up for a job, they start investing there and they contribute at least to get the match and continue growing that. And then the IRA is another retirement account that they can invest in. 
But what about a brokerage account? That's kind of this next step forward if you want to put aside some money. So if you don't mind, I want to jump in and ask, when do you start using a brokerage account? What kind of goals would you save for a brokerage account, for example? Yeah, I would say the first thing when you're talking about that brokerage account, mm-hmm. when you, like when do you get to that point? Mm-hmm. That answer is number one, if you are already maxed out of your accounts because there are limits to what you can put in your 401k, there are limits to what you can put in an IRA. So once you've hit those limits, that's pretty much your, your next option. The other thing is when you're ready to be more flexible, if you're looking to mm-hmm. do something outside of retirement, a brokerage account is really important because there are no income limits to how much you can put in. You can take out as much as you want whenever you want. So if you have a goal that's more flexible, let's say you're investing for a rental property, let's say you're investing just to grow your money on the side or looking to replace your income for any reason, that's when you want to start to look for that that brokerage account. But it's really any non-retirement goal is what a, a brokerage account is best for. Gotcha. And you brought up a couple of interesting things. One is with their brokerage account, there are no income limits. And also you have so many choices for uh, 401k, depending on your company, you can be limited on what you can invest in. Mm-hmm. But with those choices, sometimes can be overwhelming when you see so many th- different things. And I know many in our community with their retirement accounts, they're less inclined to, I wouldn't use the word experiment, but they don't want to branch out too much. They, they look at index funds. They see that's uh, consistently a, a long-term plan they want to hit. But with their brokerage account, they are looking to expand what they're investing in with stocks in particular or maybe certain industries. But there's a lot of noise, Kevin, that, you know, there's always this hot stock tip how do you separate the noise versus finding actual information? And how do you decide what to invest in? For example, how would you decide before you jump in and invest in a company? Uh, what kind of research would you do? Yeah, all great questions. It is, or it can be rather difficult to separate the noise. The first thing I would say is, it is perfectly fine to stick with index funds and do nothing else. There are plenty of millionaires who do that. And as a former advisor, I get to see what people actually invest in. And again, I've seen millionaires and say, like, yeah, I'm just putting my money in the index fund and that's fine. And I'm like, you sure you don't want to do anything? I was like, yeah, that's how I got here. So yeah. <laughs> definitely know that it is possible. You don't have yeah. to be fancy or extra. But for those that do, there are a few things that I like to look at. One of the most important things is to look at how well the stock has actually done over the past five to 10 years. And the reason I say that is, no, it's not going to predict the future, but it does give me a good impression or record of how well and how stable the company is. And that's extremely Mm. important because if it doesn't have that history, you're taking on a big risk. Same thing when you are going into a relationship, you want to know like, hey, sometimes you ask about credit, you ask about job, you ask about just general health and wellness, right? I want to know like you're a healthy person. I want to know your habits. All of these things you want to know about a company too. If you don't know that, you don't have uh, that type of information or it's shaky, then it might not be something you want to invest in. But also, more importantly, you want to make sure that company is growing, that the company has made money and that they are likely to make you money. Once you get that information, you can start to kind of take steps to decide whether or not you want to invest in any individual company. Okay. And I know some people get excited. And with couples, I've seen this happen where one is 
conservative in a financial sense because they don't want to invest in different stocks or companies. They, like you mentioned, want to do index funds and there's nothing wrong with that. But for a a couple that's trying to come up with their plan, are there any like rules and guidelines? I know you want to diversify, but how do you kind of keep things in line so you're not putting yourself in unnecessary risk with investing? Yeah, the first thing, there, there aren't any super hard rules when it comes to couples. There are some mm-hmm. for if you're just by yourself. But yeah. one easy way that we do this is what's called a risk tolerance questionnaire. So it's usually five to 10 questions that you answer, and then it'll actually spit out where you should be mm-hmm. as an investor. So I think if you go to like Vanguard.com slash risk tolerance, it'll pop up on any website and it's totally free to take. And as a couple, you can come together and say, look, my score was here. Your score was here. We want to try and meet somewhere in the middle. And that is one way to do it. But another thing that you want to pay attention to, or at least that you want to acknowledge, is to see where you are as a couple, too. For example, mm-hmm. not every couple is 12 days apart. So my wife and I are actually mm-hmm. 12 days apart. We were born in October. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah. and ironically, our parents were actually married on the same day in 1986. Woo. Yeah. And then... <laughs> It's crazy. And we didn't know this until like, mm-hmm. you know, like past the engagement, like wedding planning, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But apparently Valentine's Day 1986 was the day to get married. But anyway, that <laughs> that aside, our, our goals are going to be relatively the same. We plan on retiring at the same time. Our income is roughly close. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case for everyone. Sometimes you can be 10 years apart and you may want to retire at different times. So you do want to acknowledge that. So number one, is that the case? Because if so, the person retiring first may want to be more conservative because they are closer to the end of the career. And that allows the younger spouse to be more aggressive. What are the income levels are different? And if those are too far apart, you may have a different strategy there and that's okay. So that's the, those are the two things you want to consider in planning mm-hmm. and how you want to kind of draw on those buckets. The other thing mm-hmm. too is if a spouse is 10 or 15 years apart, that's, you know, the person who's younger may want to be more aggressive because they need that money to likely last a lot longer. So you always want to pay mm-hmm. attention to that type of thing. But number one, take the risk tolerance questionnaire. Number two, understand what the strategy is and how you're going to attack that strategy if your incomes are different. And if your age, your age difference is more than, I would say, probably six or seven years. Yeah, all good stuff. I, I love that. And I'm kind of curious, since you were mentioning that you and your wife were having this conversation, when... How do your conversations with money go, not just with the investments? How often do you check your regular accounts and how often do you check your investments accounts? Yeah. So for the investing accounts, we have a semi-annual check-in. As someone who's like an investor, (laughs) that's that part of the meeting. Mm -hmm. And we we kind of came up with very distinct roles because Mm -hmm. I am more of a, I don't like to use the word type A because I feel like there are people more type A than me that put me to shame. So <laughs> I am more type A than she is and she is mm-hmm. more uh, more fluid, if you will. So yeah. when it comes to the planning, the forward looking things, I'm kind of more in charge of that. So every six months we sit down and reevaluate all of our accounts, decide what needs to go, what needs to change, or if we're going to stay where we are. I also sit down and decide like, mm-hmm. hey, if we say this month, this much every month, we'll be here in a year. So that's kind of my forward-looking job mm-hmm. as a, the family planner. When it comes to the budgeting and the things that mm-hmm. we're doing right now, how expenses are coming out, what things we need to buy for our son and our daughter, 
and what we need to do like right now, she's more on top of that. And she's the one that says, look, this is our grocery budget. This is what we're buying. They need clothes now. They need shoes now. Here's how much we're spending on that. So we kind of take a, a current look, which is where she is mm-hmm. right now. And I'm kind of the forward looking person. And that's just kind of the roles that we are. As a professional planner, that's kind of what I do. <laughs> um, that's <laughs> Makes how it sense. works. Yeah. yeah. That first year or two, we really had to understand like where we were because mm-hmm. she's much more of a spender right now. She wants to enjoy and mm-hmm. use the money for brunch and vacation and all that stuff, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But it needs to also fit in the longer term strategy. So it, it took some discussions and how to find out where to fit. So on our current expenses, we probably meet once a month for our, our investments, our longer term planning. Mm-hmm. I meet and sit down with that every six months. I love that you guys have a system and it fits and works for you because I know, you know, every couple's different. Some do it every paycheck, some do it every month. That's kind of like our flow. But then also there's a different rhythm with investments because from personal experience and, and chatting with other couples, I've noticed being on top of your money, good. Constantly checking your investments is different than, you know, checking your bank accounts because I feel like, we can be our own worst enemy when it comes to investments. Like this was the year that you really don't want to be constantly checking because the emotions get involved. And I know you've had this experience helping couples out with investing. Have there been certain mistakes that couples make or certain things that successful couples have done that have helped them stay the course with their investing? Yeah, that that emotional thing is difficult to handle. And I've, I've seen plenty of situations that were mistakes where I had a, a situation many years ago where mom and dad had two kids, kids were teenagers, and dad made an investment decision, didn't tell mom. And when the market tanked at that point in time, it was, it was a very heated discussion as to like, why did you invest in that? And how did this go? Mm. So number one, you always want to communicate and make sure mm-hmm. that communication is transparent. But number two, what I do for myself, when I help my clients do, is we sit down and we pick the dates that we are going to make changes in our investment strategy well in advance. And we hold firm to those dates. So for me, I'm looking at January. I'm trying to do the math in my head. Yeah. <laughs> January, yep. three months later is <laughs> April. Yep. Then we have July. Then we have October. Okay. Simple yep. math there. But I said I have those dates marked in the calendar. But you can make it the first, the fifteenth. Doesn't really matter. But you want to look at it at a quarterly basis, or even easier, every June and every December, every six months. And the reason why you want to do that is twofold. Number one, we have studies that show that when you're checking your account monthly and weekly, you're more likely to make a mistake. Yeah. And that's not what you want to do because any investment you ha- you have to be right three times in a row if you're looking every single month. That's just because you have to choose what to invest in, Mm -hmm. when to invest in it, and when to get out. And to do that consistently every week when you're checking it, every month that you're checking it, you can do that. I was like, that's not going to end up well. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's exactly what happens. (laughs) And you should have saw the conversations I were in when the market fell back in March and everyone said, hey, I want to pull out. I want to go do this. I want to go do that. My message was, just wait. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it might be six months, it might be a year, it might be two years, but normally if you're just consistent and say the course, you're probably going to be okay. The thing is, those who invested in January and left everything alone by June would have broken even. Nothing mm-hmm. would have happened. It would have been right back where they started if you mm-hmm. did nothing. 
but those who panic, those who try to do the most and try to like save themselves or mm-hmm. withdraw, those were the ones who got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I can speak from personal experience. When I first started investing at my job, they offered it. That was a smart move. But then I got sucked in with the headlines and it'd be like, I got to put the money in and maybe it wasn't a great investment because I didn't have that research. And then also emotions can just change. I don't want to age myself, but I remember 2008 Mm -hmm. and everything is shifting there. So definitely want to say long-term and also just having a strategy helps out easier said than done, but having a system in place definitely pays off. This segment is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. If you want to live better, you got to bank better. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Before we wrap up, I want to focus on a few key takeaways I got from preparing this episode. The first is to open up and invest in your brokerage account once you gain some financial stability. I know we want to save for the future, including retirement and other goals, but you're better off making sure that you're invested in the tax advantage accounts like your 401k or an IRA before you start investing in your brokerage account. The second is don't chase the headlines when it comes to investing. I get this. We live in an age where information is right at our fingertips. But many times what we see in front of us is noise. Don't get distracted by the headlines where you need to move money, invest, sell until you are comfortable and you have researched your investments. Of course, if you're looking for a low-key option that many people have used successfully to save up for retirement and other goals, low-cost index funds can be the way to go. I have episodes on it and articles, which I'll include in the show notes if you're interested. And then finally, discuss and arrange an investment plan that fits both of you. Kevin brought up some good points. Besides talking about your investment styles and taking that questionnaire for risk tolerance that he suggested, you also want to talk about timetable. Of course, for many couples, the big one is retirement. But what other goals are the two of you trying to achieve? And what's the time frame that you would like to achieve them in? Discussing those questions will allow you to create an investment plan that fits your style and timeline. There's so much to discuss on this topic because it really has to do with your specific circumstance and needs. But if you have any questions and you want to discuss this more, please reach out. If you're a part of the community with a newsletter, you can always hit reply to those emails. It goes directly to my inbox. Or if you prefer, come chat with us on Facebook in the Thriving Families group. It's a free and private group where we support one another with our family and financial goals. We'd love to see you there. Special thanks to Kevin for being a part of this episode. If you want to learn more about him and the classes he offers on investing, please visit buildingbread.com. And if you want to stay on top of your money, I'll have the resources in the show notes, including my favorite tools to wrangle up all of your accounts between the two of you in one spot over at couplemoney.com. Next week on the podcast, we're talking about living on one income. 
It was one of the biggest game changers to our finances. However, I know it's not an easy thing to do. So I'm going to break down strategies and tactics that we and other couples have used to make the transition easier. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss out on that episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Radio Public. Our theme song today was written and performed by Gentle Regime. Additional music from artist at audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you not only listening, but you're sharing your favorite episodes with your friends and chatting with me on what you're tackling together. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.